Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. I'm going to wrap up tonight. We've been talking now for several weeks. I think this is our sixth week in this uh, series on intimacy. Knowing the Father and being known by the Father. And uh, tonight I want to talk to you about investing in intimacy. Investing in intimacy. And, um, you know, every relationship takes work, doesn't it? Every relationship that we engage on requires effort to some degree, whether it's your marital relationship, if it's a relationship with your children, if it's a workplace relationship, employer to employee or employee to employee, uh, whatever relationship you have in life, they all require levels of effort, levels of investment. And uh, we say this around here in our vision partnership, whenever we host a vision partnership, the whole point of vision partnership is that you're partnering with the vision that, you know, essentially church members just kind of sign their name or think their attendance is enough. But when you partner, you're all in. When you partner, it's, it's Michael, I need you to grab that end of it, and I'll grab this end, and we're going to together carry this thing from one place to another. We have one common goal, one shared vision, one, one common mission. You know, I've found that when, when people, of, and this, the great thing about it is you can pull people from all different backgrounds, different colors, different experiences. You can even pull people from different denominations. If they have one common mission in mind, the mission becomes greater than their differences. And I think a lot of times when we see internal strife or internal struggles in any degree, but especially in the church, it's just because we haven't been missional enough. One thing that I loved about our outreaches, my wife pointed this out. Uh, We did that last outreach. Many of you came out and helped us with the Thanksgiving distribution. And I mean, it was just awesome. Generations Julie Grace was out there hanging out alongside a, a Van Murphy and, a, and a, a Neil Greer and, and I mean, different colors and different backgrounds and different ages. And I mean, all those things go out the door when you are blessing your community. You're not thinking about how we're distinguished and distinct from one another. You're saying, how can we bless them? And we put all that down. You know, it's sad, but, you know, one of the most unified times that I've seen our nation was the day after 9-11. Y'all are old enough to remember those days. I was just starting my freshman year in school at at Rayma. I was 18 years old. But those days following were some of the most unified day. I mean, the chance of USA. You, I mean, you didn't. You could have been standing next. To, you could have Democratic and Republican shouting it at the same time, waving the red, white, and blue—the same flag they're trying to burn today. But see, when we don't be, we, when we don't become missional enough, and crisis will do that. Crisis will get you, get your eyes off of your differences, and say, "We've all got to band together to combat this thing. We got to lay this down." That's why the military is so great. 
at accomplishing their missions. Because you're all in the same uniform and you all have the same haircut and you all have, uh, they, they take away all those distinguishing factors and you are now a product of the United States military, United States of America, and we have an enemy to fight and to combat. But it's in those times of idleness that we start highlighting our differences and distinguishments and how I'm different from you. And that's where that, that strife starts to build up. And so uh, what we have to recognize is in our relationships and especially our relationship with the Father, when we are sharing one common mission, one common goal, that is what brings us together. That's what binds us together. And when you do that, it's going to require effort on your part. There's going to be a price that you pay. And where I was going with that was vision partnership. In vision partnership, we make this statement. There is no connection without investment. There is no connection without investment. Investment is always the key to connection. You could go one step further and say the level of connection is determined by the level of investment. So if there's no investment made, there's no connection here. If I only hear from you when you need something, that's a very low-level connection. If I only hear from you when I'm in trouble, it's low-level connection because little investment yields little connection. So if I ever want to strengthen my connection, I need to strengthen my investment. I need to strengthen my buy-in. I need to strengthen my effort that I'm putting forth. Now, of course, a relationship requires two parts, but I can tell you right now, God's not lacking on his side to connect with you. He's already paid the ultimate price to get you back in his good graces, so to speak, to reveal to you, I want to be one with you again. I want to reconcile this brokenness. I want to redeem what separated us. I want to bring us so close together that nothing can tear us apart. What could separate me from the love of God, Paul said. So if we're feeling a lack of connection, I can promise you it's not on his end, which only leaves one other end, <laughs> my end. And where can I make that effort? Now, again, we started this whole series talking about we are not going to satisfy the need for intimacy with activity. You're not going to get drawn closer to the Father just by doing religious activity and religious things. You're not going to hear his voice clearer if I uh, do the activities. But what you will find is a lot of the activities that people want to call legalistic or self-righteous are necessary for the purpose of investing in a relationship. Attending church is necessary for the deepening of your relationship with the Father. It is. And I know that we have a, a whole principle that wants to remove the capacity of the power and the value of the local church. And I've got my personal Lord and Savior. I've got my personal relationship. I don't need a pastor. I don't need fellowship. I don't need, uh, you know, the, the, the burdenness of serving in a church and giving to a church and supporting a church and coming alongside a vision. I can just, me and God are good, just me and him. It's where people want to live. Well, you forget that the church is the bride of Christ. And if we're not loving his bride, 
it's questionable if we truly love the Father. See, you just see the church as an entity. You just see the church as a building with a sign on the side. You just see the church as an event on your calendar. But that's not the church. Those are church services. But the church is the bride of Christ. The church is a people that come to church. I, I said this morning in morning prayer, <clears throat> Pastor Chris and Future Now, they went to Pine Grove Middle today and did an event. And, and we prayed over them and launched them and haven't even got a report yet. I believe it was a great time. It was a great time. And I said this, the church is going to Pine Grove Middle School today. So we think about coming to church. What about the church going places, right? And so when you value the things that the father values, when you love the things that the father loves, when you find what he finds important important in your life, it, it, it links and tightens that level of connection because I'm investing in what he's investing in. It requires connection. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with him. Great multitudes now. And he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his, here's relationship, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also. It's probably one of the hardest verses for people to reconcile. You want me to hate my wife? You want me to hate my kids? You want me to hate myself? No, he's not saying hate as in disdain or put aside. He's talking about priority. He's talking about investment, connection. He cannot be my disciple. Listen to the next phrase. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's, what, he's rec- what he's trying to help us recognize is discipleship with me. Remember, he's talking to a great multitude. Jesus had a way of whittling down. <laughs> Y'all remember in Matthew chapter 13, there was a great multitude he was ministering to. He gives the parable of the sower, and then he turns to his, to his disciples and says, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Guys, we can't confuse the fact that we follow along like a fan. You know, how, you know how fans are, right? Oh, we think we're invested, right? Charlie over here, he's messing with me about my love for the Longhorns and his love for the Bulldogs. I said, well, I'll root for your Bulldogs in your bowl game, but I'm in the playoff, all right? So you just go, <laughs> don't get on me about my Texas sweatshirt. Hook them horns but we all think we're invested, right? I'm not on the field with those guys. I ain't taking tackles. I ain't getting hit. I ain't, I'm not running plays. I'm not doing two-a-days. I'm not doing their crazy routines and practices and watching all the film. I'm showing up. I'm not even showing up. I'm in my recliner. I'm as comfortable as can be. I'm gonna order DoorDash when the Texas Longhorns play on New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day uh, evening. I'm going to do as little as possible and watch them play. I'm not invested. But man, we think that's investment. Well, sometimes we do this with God. We're fans. And the multitudes were fans. We're going to see this in a moment. The multitude were fans. Man, they followed when he was the craze. 
They followed when all the miracles, signs, and wonders were happening. They followed when, man, he's, he's blowing people's minds. And man, did you see? And when it was entertainment, huh? When, when everybody's following. It's easy to follow when everybody's following. But is that really a level of investment? It's me buying a Texas Longhorn sweatshirt. Is that really an investment? I, there's a, a, a funny, I don't know, meme or whatever you call them out on the internet about uh, the comparison between sports fans and churchgoers and things that sports fans do for their teams that they won't do for, they give financially. They show up in rain, cold, sleet, snow, huh? <laughs> There's like 10 of them that he lists. And it's like, by the time you get to the 10th one, I was like, yeah, yeah, you got me on that one. Yeah, sometimes things that we think we're invested in, we're not really. This multitude thought they were invested, but he turns right around and he says, wait a minute, you can't even be my disciple if you won't take up your cross because here's the thing, how much you're willing to pay reveals how far you're willing to go. How much you're willing to pay reveals how far you're willing to go. And Jesus is saying, look, there's father, there's mother. You're gonna be invested in those things. Son and daughter, you're gonna be invested in those things. Even your own life, you're gonna be invested in those things. So why don't I get the same level of investment is what he's saying. Why don't I get any priority? Why does everything else come before me? Again, it's not about the activity alone but it's about value. And you know this, anything you value, you invest time in. In fact, there are things I will invest money in because I don't want to invest time in. Money's not your greatest asset. Your time is. And when it costs you time, when it costs you effort, when it costs you your reputation, when it costs you your life, Right, he said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. What's he saying? Revelation always meets investment. Revelation always meets investment. If you want to go deeper, if you wanna go further, what you need to be asking is not, uh, God, why won't you show me? Holy Spirit, why won't you speak? What you need to be asking is, what can I do to invest further? to go deeper, not out of legalistic activity, not out of self-righteous, look at me and look at how much I pray and how much I go to church and how much I give to the church and how much I do this and how much I do that. But it's recognizing I want to value what you value. And that requires me to invest in what's important to you. Those are the most valuable things he can mention. Father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, and even our own lives. Man, we do things for ourselves that we wouldn't do for others. And you've got to love yourself. You've got to love your own life. You can't can't disregard yourself. He's not saying disregard those things. He's saying, let me in on that investment. And I can promise you every time, I think it was, was it last week? Uh, we made the statement that everything that we talked about lordship. I said, everything that I have allowed Jesus to be Lord of in my life has improved. Every bit of it. There's nothing that he's touched in my life that got worse or stayed the same. 
He improved it every time. He made it better every single time. And so it's about investment, investing in intimacy. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, all, all that he has cannot be my disciple. In John chapter five, Jesus speaks to this in his own life and gives us a glimpse in his own decision-making, if you will. You have to remember there's Jesus, son of God, and then there's Jesus, son of man. And you've heard us say this before, that Jesus did not do what he did on this earth as God. Jesus did what he did on earth as a man, submitted to the Father and empowered by the Spirit. Jesus did not do what he did as God. You've got to separate the... Uh, divinity of Jesus because uh, we'll see in Philippians chapter, uh, Philippians chapter two that he stripped himself of that, that majesty, that royalty, that, that heavenly uh, uh, glory, stripped himself of that, laid that aside to come to the earth as a man. Why? Because he wanted you, remember Jesus didn't come to show us what he could do. Jesus came to show us what we could do. It's a poor example if he does everything as God, the Almighty, and then expects us to follow in his example. So he came and he stripped himself of his divine image, divine glory, became as a man like you and I. And he says this in verse 19, truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own. What a weird statement for Jesus to make. He's not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Father intimately enough to obey and model exactly what he's doing? Do we know him that deep that what he does, I do? I'm in lockstep with him. I'm modeling my life after him. He's my example. And Jesus came to be this example. And he says, everything I do, I do because I'm following the Father. Everything I say, everywhere that I go, uh, everything uh, that I do, uh, every burden that I have is because it's a burden of the Father. It's a burden of the Son. It's an action of the Father. It's an action of the Son. It's a word of the Father, it's a word, and there's no separation in the two. Uh, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life 
to whom he wants. The father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son so that all people may honor the son as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Skip, skip on uh, a few more verses in verse 30. He says and reiterates this in the New King James, I can of myself do nothing. Now, again, he is man like you and I at this point of making this statement. He can do whatever he wants. God does not control you. God does not control you. God doesn't force us to do anything. It's all about yielded, surrender, a posture of whatever you do, that's what I want to do, and I don't want there to be any distinguishing between the two. You know how the world looks down on this type of activity? I remember when I first moved to St. Augustine, Florida, and I knew that God had called me and and, uh, assigned me and aligned me with Pastor Earl and Pastor Marcy and the vision of Anchor Faith Church. And I'm, you know, 21 years old, young man. I, I knew, I just got done sharing this testimony right before service with another young man in our church, just using my story as an example. <clears throat> when I moved there, I, I knew it was time to get serious about the call of God on my life. I knew it was time to, that, you know, the, the, there's something about rubber meeting the road. There's something about you've walked the stage, you've completed the training, and now you're, you're making a serious decision, moving, you know, thousand miles across the United States, you know, leaving everything that I knew behind, leaving everything that was, was comfortable, convenient. And when I uh, aligned myself uh, there in St. Augustine, it wasn't for casual. It wasn't, you know, as long as it's comfortable. It wasn't as long as it works with my schedule. And I found myself, there were things that Pastor Earl said, hey, I need you to do this. I want you to hear with me. Uh, We're gonna go be doing this at this time, whatever. But I found myself on my own making decisions to model my life after his. The times he went in the office, I went in the office. The times he got up to pray, I got up to pray. I mean, in fact, the very, one of the very first times I came to Valdosta was because he was coming here to train the, the leaders from the previous pastors in the previous church. And I just, before I even knew what I was saying or requesting, I said, hey, can I come with you? I had no call to Valdosta. I had no desire naturally to come here. I had no intent. I mean, the pastors were the pastors. I wasn't looking for a promotion. I wasn't, maybe if I do this, he'll think I'm a good candidate for a pastor and he'll promote me and give me a church. I wasn't thinking any of that. I was just, I had gotten so in tune, lockstep with what was important to him, it became important to me. And I wanted to model after that. You know, the world looks down on that. They say, find your own self, be an individual. And they look down on accountability they look down on submission to authority as if, as, if, as if it's some kind of crutch or micromanagement or burden over your life. Man, there is some of the greatest safety and protection in your life in accountability, in yielding yourself to one that God has called you to come alongside. There's just something about that that you can't override. 
and it'll open doors for you that you couldn't pry open in all your natural ability. (laughs) The doors that opened in our lives as a result of just being obedient and submitted to whatever the vision was of Anchor Faith Church and whatever Pastor Earl and Marcy shared, and we're still in that capacity today. That's all we want to see accomplished. Well, it's looking down. You could be doing your own thing. You could be doing this. No, 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 no. I'm nothing apart from where God has assigned me and connected me. And Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. When I was in St. Augustine, that became my, I can of myself do nothing. Now, could I have? Absolutely. Were there times that I want to? Sure. Did I have my own ideas and opinions? And man, if I were doing this, I would do it. Sure, those things can rise up. You know, Jesus is making a very weird statement, but you can't make a statement, I can of myself do nothing if you don't have the opportunity to do something separate from what the Father wants to do. It doesn't mean the opportunities aren't there. It just means I override those and I so align my will. And there's a deepening of of intimacy. There's a deepening of relationship because I've counted the cost and I'm willing to pay the price and I'm willing to put forth effort to make sure that this relationship is as deep and connected as it should be. There's investment. There's investment made on both sides. And I wanna match the investment. Now, you know what? I can never match the investment that God paid to get close to me. But I'll strive every day of my life and every waking second to say, you paid that much to be with me? I can surely give you this extra hour. I can surely obey your word when you tell me to step out in faith. I can surely, and and, and that's nothing. Because how much you're willing to pay reveals how far you're willing to go. He says, I can of myself do nothing. In John chapter 6 and verse 38. John chapter 6 and verse 38, the very next chapter. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who what? Sent me. Sent me. I've come down from heaven. Jesus is speaking. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He has a will that he wants accomplished. And I have stood up and said, I'll go. And whatever you want to see done, that's what I'll do. Imagine with all the authority, with all the power, and with all uh, uh, of, of the divine glory that Jesus had, where he could have gone rogue. I mean, let's just take Matthew 16, when Peter gets in his face and says, Lord, may this never be. As he's proclaiming the will of the Father, I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be beaten and tormented. I'm going to be hung on a cross. They're going to kill me. And in three days, I'll rise again. And his best friend, a tight relationship, who we're going to see here in just a minute, one of his closest confidants, closest disciples, out of the 12, he was in the the group of three, Peter, James, and John. Peter gets up and says, I will make sure that none of that horrible uh, uh, stuff you just mentioned happens to you. Peter thinks he's invested. Peter thinks he's tight. 
tight enough with Jesus. I mean, just a few verses earlier, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and upon this rock, I'll build my church and just got this great. So, you know, you know the, the boldness that's rising up in Peter. It doesn't take much for Peter stepping out of boats and cutting people's ears off and, you know, he's already, already on the threshold. He says, I'll make sure this never, imagine Jesus taking that moment saying, man, you know, you're right. I mean, I know that's the father's plan, but I mean, there's gotta be another way. I mean, didn't he say that in the, in the, in the garden? Didn't he say that in the garden? If there's any other way, let this cup pass. But yet he was so invested. Why do you think Jesus fulfilled his purpose and his destiny in that moment? It's because he was connected to the Father. Your connection to the Father will keep you in moments where you want to abandon, where you want to question, where you want to challenge, where you want to, man, this is too hard. Man, I've gone too far. Man, that, 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 that's as much as I can give. But your connection to the Father, because of your in investment in intimacy, the connection will keep you and say, no, we're gonna follow through. His purpose is my purpose. His will is my will. His desire is my desire. His plan is my plan. I don't have a plan outside of that. You think Jesus in the garden is thinking, if there's any other way, and I've got some suggestions if you need any. <laughs> if you're open to suggestions, I've got a couple ideas. I've, I've, I've thought these through. I've worked them out. Let me just run this by you. No. Let this cup pass. What did he say? Not my will, but yours be done because I can of myself do nothing. For I came from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Now I want you to skip down to verse 60 in this chapter, John chapter six. He's not done. John chapter six is a really interesting chapter if you ever get time to read the whole thing. But it's a lot of disruption that his investment and his value for the things that God values, it, it created a challenging of people, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They couldn't handle someone that so modeled the father. They couldn't handle someone that made a statement, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, he didn't just say that because he was God in the flesh. He could say that because I, if you want to know what the Father thinks, you can just look right here. I mean, in essence, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do with my pastors. If you want to know what Pastor Earl thinks about something, you, can, you don't have to go any further than this because I so represent that and I've so invested in that and I've counted the cost and I've paid the price for that. To be in that room and to be uh, at that level that, that, that I would so harbor and protect the vision that he's given me that you're not gonna hear me say something that's different than what he would say. 
That's why Jesus can make that statement. And those religious leaders couldn't handle it. And so the challenging came. And in verse 60, he says, therefore, when many of his what? Now, these aren't the 12, obviously, but many of his disciples. So these were people to a degree had paid a price. To a degree. You got multitude. Now you've got disciples. And he said, what? You can't be my disciple if what? You won't take up your cross and follow me. Well, we're about to find out if they're going to take up the cross. Many of his disciples heard this and they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. They decided what? The investment was too great. They decided the cost, how much you're willing to pay, reveals how far you, and they said, this is as far as we're willing to go. That's as high of a price as we're willing to pay. You sound like a lunatic. You're telling us to eat your flesh and drink your blood. You're saying things that are hard to reconcile, hard to understand. He said, that's as far as we're willing to go. And from that moment, many of his disciples no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the 12, now we're getting a little smaller. You ever notice the higher up you go or the smaller the circle gets, the greater the investment gets? You're getting to the core now. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? Now, a lot of leaders, they would start saying, you know, all right, we got to salvage this thing. Can't keep running people off. It's going to compromise the mission. to compromise the work. How can I keep them? How can I appease them? How can I please them? What can I do to get them to stay? He looks at them and says, you're going to go too? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words, the words of eternal life. What's he saying? We're willing to continue to pay the price. We're willing to make the investment. Because here's the thing, when you make an investment, there's always a return. They weren't just spending time with Jesus. They were investing time with Jesus. And in return, they said, you've got the words of life. No one else is going to give us what you're giving us here. We don't, if we cut this off, we miss out on the access to the life that's your eternal life. 
we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That their level of connection went far beyond the, the multitude fanfare on the shore that just wanted to watch as entertainment. It even went beyond that level of discipleship that, you know, we want to learn and we want to be, we want to accompany you and we want to be known as being among you, but are we willing to take up our cross? And he said, look, if you can't take up the cross with me, you can't be my disciple. And then we went it down to the 12 and Peter, that same Peter, that same Peter that got in his face and said, but he saw something in Jesus in that moment. He saw someone that was so committed to the vision that he was willing to pay whatever price it took to maintain that relationship. Whatever cost is required, I'll pay it. And he said, and this is about six months. John chapter six, I mean, the, the book of John starts at the end of Jesus's life. It doesn't start at the beginning like Matthew and Luke. John starts, he starts in 1.1 1, 1 and says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But then he jumps all the way to basically the last year to six months of Jesus's ministry. We're right on the cusp of this thing. We've whittled this thing down as far as we can go. And half a year out from Jesus being crucified, everything's coming to a head now. Peter says, where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna go? We're gonna pay the price. Intimacy demands investment. There's no connection without investment. Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. And verse five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, we quote that verse a lot. You have the mind of Christ, and we quote that when we're about to take a test or about to do something difficult or trying to remember something, right? But what he's talking about here is there's a spirit behind what drove Jesus to do what he did. And he's saying, let that same mind that he carried be in you. There's a purpose for having the mind of Christ. Let the mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, here it is, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Intimacy is always gonna be measured by obedience. You know, we want intimacy and, and I hear the Father's voice and, and we just are so connected. But if it doesn't follow with application, you can get all the prophetic words you can get. You can have all the amazing revivals and prayer meetings you can handle. You can attend all the services. You can know the, the, the scripture front to back. You can have your daily Bible reading plan checked off perfectly every year for the last 10 years. But if there's no application, if there's no obedience that follows, 
That's why we say the prophetic word isn't gonna change your life. It's the application of the prophetic word that will change your life. It's why we say the word doesn't change your life. It's the application of the word that changes your life. The word lies dormant until applied. The, 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 the humility of Jesus was to become obedient to the Father. I so want to carry your image. I so want to be connected to you. I want to be in such deep intimacy with you that I follow through and carry out everything you want me to carry out as if you were doing it yourself. And you'll get all the glory and you'll get all the praise and you'll get all the honor. That's how deep this intimacy was. In return, look at verse nine. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. This is, now we're bowing at the name of the one that bowed in humility, even to the point of death. What's he saying? That the investment will return. You want promotion? Submit to what the plan of God is for your life. You want health in your relationship? Submit to what the plan of God is for your life. You want to fulfill your destiny and your purpose? Submit to what the plan of God is for your life. It's the key. It's the answer. It will keep you. That obedient application that fa- I mean, it, 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 we're not just in relationship with the Father to say, I'm in relationship with the Father. I'm in relationship so I can carry out and do what he wants done in the earth. Just as Jesus did, so can I. And in return, the glory came upon Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven, those in earth, on earth, those under the earth, every tongue will confess, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of what? God the Father. We're gonna confess the name of Jesus to the glory of the Father. Why? Because they're connected. We're not glorifying Jesus at the expense of the Father. We're honoring Jesus and recognizing the Lordship of Jesus to the glory of the Father. That your obedience, your application, your investment, your connection to the Father actually brings glory to Him. It actually reveals the Father to every person around you. Guys, we have so many opportunities in our lives, day in and day out, to reveal the Father, to reveal the heart of the Father, to the point that people will question, why would you do that for me? Why would you share that with me? Why would you say that to me? Why would you give that to me? It's what the Father would do. I just want to reveal the heart of the Father. And my, my, my cross to bear is I lay down my desires. You know, that's our cross today. You may not take up a literal, a, a literal cross that Jesus bore, a wooden cross, but you'll lay down your will just like he laid down his will and seek the Father's will in the best interest of mankind at the expense of what you wanna do, at the expense of how you feel, at the expense of what it costs you, at the expense of what you're gonna look like, I just wanna obey the Father. I just wanna submit to his plan. I just wanna submit to his purpose and I just want the Father glorified in all that I do.
So Father, we thank you that our deep intimacy, our deeper connection, it provokes and promotes a deeper, earnest interest and value for the things that you value. What's near to your heart becomes near to our heart. That what breaks your heart breaks our heart. That what you become compassionate about, we become compassionate about. What you become angered at, we become angered at. What you show and bestow your love upon, we show and bestow love upon. Father, we recognize that this level of intimacy and this level of connection demands effort and investment. And Father, we commit tonight to make the effort necessary, to make the investment that's required, to to take up our cross, to bear it, to follow you. Father, I thank you, you will be glorified, that you'll be revealed, you'll be acknowledged, and many will come to believe in you because of our obedient application to what you call us to do. Father, I thank you through this series and through these series of messages as we continue to meditate on these words and continue to allow them to resonate with us. Father, I thank you that we will strengthen and deepen our relationship with you so that we can fully fulfill all you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.